0: Welcome to 24 Karat Conversations with Phyllis and Rhonda, where two best friends decided to start a podcast on real women, real friendships, and real issues. Our mission Bible verse is Job 2310. Yet he knows
1: the way I have taken, and when he has tested me, I will emerge as pure gold. We want to encourage, inspire, and offer hope in a world where life can seem to be unrealistic. Be a support for you to cheer you on as a wife, mother, daughter, sister, and friend. Most of all, you get to relax and laugh with us about all things women. Plus, we like
0: all things sparkly. Oh, yeah.
1: (laughs) Hello, 24 Karat Tribe. Welcome back. Hey, peeps. We are super excited because we get to interview a friend of ours today, April Katherman, and Phyllis is going to introduce her, tell you a little bit about her, and then we're just going to ask her a few questions and let her share her story.
0: Yeah. So I'm super excited because I remember April coming over to Rhonda's house and sitting on a couch saying, I think I want to write a book.
1: (laughs) do that
0: and here we are so april katherman redgrave is the author speaker blogger and founder of beauty for our ashes ministry as the surviving widow of fallen san jose police motors officer michael j katherman april experienced unimaginable brokenness and despair but also witnessed how god redeemed a terrible situation into one of great beauty and joy once a school teacher and aspiring educational administrator, April now writes and speaks to encourage law enforcement, widows, the grieving, blended families, and finding love after loss. April, I'm so excited to yeah. interview you today. Thank you for um, having me. Man, what a journey! And um, I just want to start by having you share a little bit about yourself and your story and like what the book is based off of. So if you could just go back to the beginning a little bit and let us know how it all started Mm -hmm. for you.
2: Yeah. Well, about five years ago, you know, Mike, my husband and I were just living our normal, perfect to us little life with our boys who at the time were 10 and eight. Mike was San Jose police officer and was in the motors unit at the time I was school teacher and the boys and I were off on summer break and it was just a typical summer day to where he got on his uniform, hopped on his bike, rode to work, you know, hugs and kisses by, and then he didn't come home. So our world obviously was turned completely upside down. And while we were trying to, the boys and I trying to maneuver through this basically nightmare, you know, we had another tragedy happen to where we lost our home in a flood. And not just one of those oh, a pipe burst and your house is wet. This was a levee breach and it was rushing waters in the middle of the night. Firemen rescue you in a boat through a window type of flood. So it was a lot in a short amount of time. And in my book, I share the details of all of that tragedy. But woven in there is the love story of Mike and I because we met at 18 and had just this, special love. And then it it moves into the redeeming love that I received from the Lord through that tragedy and how obviously there's a happy ending at the end of my story to where the boys and I are now. And the process of writing that story was through therapy for me. In the very beginning of my therapy, I was told, you know, why don't you just start writing out your feelings? And so I kind of started doing that to myself. I would write them in a Word document and then delete them all. So nobody would ever see them. (laughs) Then I started journaling and then blogging. And then, you know, about a year and a half ago, it was kind of just God opened one door after another to share the whole story of loss and redeeming love through the book. Mm. So, what was the hardest
0: part of becoming a widow so young?
2: I was 33 when Mm -hmm. I lost Mike. And being a young widow meant young children as well. Mm -hmm. So, the hardest part for me was having to tell them, telling my Mm -hmm. boys that their dad wasn't coming home. And then moving on from that, trying, just realizing that. I thought my future was completely gone. You know, All I had known was my love with Mike since I was 18, and we had so much more time together that we had so many big plans and dreams for our family, and it was just gone in a moment. So the hardest part was obviously telling the boys and seeing them suffer and the pain and the hurt and the heartbreak, and I was the one that broke their heart because I was the one that had to tell them about their dad. And then just being so scared. I was really, really scared. I was alone with them out in the country. And I mean, we had so much support, so much, but you're still, it's just you and your two boys, your husband's not there to take care of you. It's a different kind of support than, you know, what anyone else can give.
1: Well, I think it just feels very isolating when you're going through (sighs) grief anyway, but then to have to do that and be with your children and watch them grieve, knowing that you can't do anything to really like help them. They are going to have to walk through this grief process. I mean, you can support them and love them and get them counseling and all those things, but you know that they're going to suffer trauma from what they've endured. And that I think is a really heavy weight as Mm a mom to carry, because there is that little bit of guilt that you feel like even though you had nothing to do with the death of your husband, just the fact Mm -hmm. that you have to carry that for them is really hard.
2: Absolutely. As a mom, you fix everything. You fix their boo-boos. You fix, you know, when they're sad, everything, but this Mm -hmm. sadness for them, I couldn't fix. There was nothing I could do to bring dad back. Right. So that was really hard for me. Still is still to see them grief. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. So, um,
1: how did people, or how do you feel people have judged you based on your grief process? Because I think as a, I have a couple friends who are widows, and it's so hard because they're young widows, and it's so out of order, right? You know, it's not normal for you to lose your husband in your 20s or 30s or even 40s. You know, that's just a, it's out of order. And so, Mm -hmm. I know that there's a lot of judgment that comes on people who are walking through it. Like if they love again, what does that look like? And so can you talk a little bit about that?
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's a heavy topic and it's something that I have to work through constantly, either through therapy or through my time with God, because it hurts when you hear the comments definitely. And I think what hurts the most is when someone thinks that you don't love your husband that passed away anymore. You're over that loss because that is not it at all. And I think a lot of the judgment comes from when a widow starts to be happy again. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: And, and sometimes uh, for me, the happiness was through finding love again with David and everyone's so quick to think, Oh, maybe it's too soon or she's not, you know, she's being selfish or man, she really didn't love her first husband. And it's, I have to keep continuing to tell myself, I have to ask myself a couple of questions. One, did I pray about these decisions? Yes. You know, did I get discernment from the Lord? Am I confident that it's God's will? Yes. Has he opened doors? Yes. Have I found counsel through, you know, Christian men and women in my life? Yes. If I could answer yes to all those questions, then we can't argue with God. And other people haven't been in my shoes. And the other thing that I have always asked myself is, would Mike be okay with any decision I'm making? Would he be proud of me? Would he want this for me and the boys? And I'm proud to say that I can answer yes to all of those. And so, yes, the judgment will come and it hurts, but I have to keep telling myself that God's in control and I'm making Mike proud. So that's all I can keep doing, but it's hard. And, and I'm almost embarrassed to say that before my loss, I was so judgmental. And you know, I just this mom doing this. Oh, I would do this if I was her mom. You know, that kid's mom, or you know, as a teacher, you're you're right there with so much parenting. You, you know, you have the term helicopter. You knew it all. Yeah. yeah, and you know, I wish I could go back and not be so judgmental because you have, there's no loss that's the same.
1: Yeah.
2: Whether you've lost a husband or a child or anything, no loss is the same. So you can't ever really put yourself in their shoes because you have no clue what they're really dealing with.
1: Yeah. It's funny that you say that yeah. because we did an episode on grief just recently. I mean, not on grief, on empathy just recently. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the more things that you endure, you Get, gain greater empathy for people like things yes. you've been through. So it's like sometimes you hate what you're going through, right? You hate the situation that you're mm-hmm. walking through. But it gives you empathy for those people that you're gonna encounter in the future. And so definitely I definitely think there is something to be said about not having a perfect cakewalk life, which mm-hmm. we don't think we want that, but at the end of the day, I think the things that we learn from the hard stuff is what really yeah. makes us who we are.
2: Definitely.
0: Yeah, I agree. Yeah. yeah. And also, I think it's really easy to judge something when you haven't walked through it. Mm-hmm. I know. Uh, so what reminds me of that is like even when Rhonda and I lost our children, we uh, we talked about one time how the first time you have joy again or the first time you almost feel guilty because you're in that mourning period. Right. Like mm-hmm. I, maybe I should never be happy again. And yet that's not the end of the story. Um, and, and as widows, especially a widow at 33, it's, <laughs> I mean, no one can really tell you the timing because life happens. Yeah. And so it's like, you're not supposed to, I don't think anyone would want somebody to just be, that would be the, it's the only love of my life. I can never, it's kind of the same thing. I lost this child. I could never love another child again. Mm-hmm not true it's like they are still very much a part of your life but there is more to there is more you can love again you can Mm -hmm. be um you can be happy again you can be joyful again god wants that for you and i love that you said mike would want that for you i don't think any person would want if they they are gone to say like okay that's that's it you're you're done like you can I just survive your life for the next, uh-huh. 50 years, but don't live your life for the next 50 years. And so, yeah, I mean, it's super easy for people to judge it when they haven't walked through it. But, um, I always say like my son was my biggest tragedy and my biggest blessing because he really just woke up my life to like, I look at joy in such a different way. Mm-hmm. And like Rhonda says, the empathy is so much bigger because I've walked through that valley of the shadow of death, right? You kind of walk through that pit and coming out the other side, it's like stuff feels fresher and newer. So I think um, it's beautiful when you can, you know, find that again in the midst. It's like your beauty from ashes.
2: Absolutely. I'll
0: just start yes. that over. So you did um, remarry. Mm-hmm. Have a beautiful little baby girl. So little one. we She's saw her last. So time. cute.
1: Yes.
0: So how how um, how did that fit into your family? Where are the boys um, doing well from that? Was that kind of strange for them? Like how did that how did that play into your life?
2: You know, it was one of my biggest worries was introducing David to them, and that whole process. And I kept everything such a secret from everyone for so long because I was worried about the judgment and my boys were still not okay. At the time I met David and it had been over a year since I lost Mike. So it was still fresh to all of us. And it was something that I wasn't looking for and wasn't expecting at all. So obviously the boys weren't either, but again, when you're following the will of the Lord, everything kind of falls into place and everything has gone so smooth, smoothly. And it's, it's what the boys needed. It was what we, I needed at the time. And when I say it's gone smoothly, there's been the hiccups in the road, you know, but the boys are doing so incredibly well. And it has a lot to do with, I had to force them to do therapy and they did, um, therapy through animals, you know, out on a horse ranch and, you know, lots of talks, really gradually bringing David in as a friend, even though him and I were more than friends, but with the children, you know, I wasn't just gonna bring that out there to them. So we gradually introduced everyone his children, my children, a lot of prayer and counsel. Um, and it just kind of all happened and it happened so easily. And my boys are thriving they're now, um, 15 and 13. They were 10 and eight when Mike passed away and they're, I'm just beyond proud of them and they're doing awesome. And a lot of it has to do with David in our life and them having that dad on earth that is there to take over for Mike really in a way that is so healthy and never replacing Mike Mm -hmm. ever. And, It's just, it's been wonderful. They're they're amazing young men.
1: I think too, when you're you're, uh, healing, when you're really working towards that healing process, uh, Mm -hmm. things are able to go smoother because you're working on you, right? Like, have you been broken getting into a relationship probably would have been a much bumpier road, but because mm-hmm. you and the boys were both working on your healing journey, yeah, it doesn't mean you're perfect when you walk in. I'm sure there's still, sure this day things that you work on. Yeah, but I think that as you progressed, it was easier because you, mm-hmm. you were healing, your heart was healing. And yeah. so I think that's what people need to understand that if people are really digging into their healing journey, like you can't fault mm-hmm. them for, moving forward because God doesn't want you to just stay in one place and stay in exactly place. yeah he wants you to to move forward he's saying like go like it's okay mm-hmm. yeah
0: so the book writing process was that so that was good therapy I know that mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> I also have to give a shout out to our publisher Redemption Press absolutely yeah so excited when you went with them um was there anything that you would have done differently through this whole process, um, either writing or personal personally?
2: Yeah. I wish I would have taken care of myself sooner. Mm. I was so focused on not only my children, but <clears throat> when an officer is killed in the line of duty, there's a lot of responsibility that comes on their wife. There's a lot of meetings. There's a lot of ceremonies. There's a lot of everything.
0: I and, had no idea about that either. Yeah. When I saw all the things you had to do. I thought, I don't know if I could handle that.
2: Yeah. And so I never, I never was able to take care of myself because I was doing everything for everybody else. Mm-hmm. I wish I would have set boundaries in the beginning, but I didn't know that I needed them. I thought that that's what I had to do. And mm-hmm. if I wasn't doing every single thing I was asked to do, I wasn't honoring Mike
1: mm-hmm. and mm-hmm.
2: I wasn't portraying him as this this hero of, of an officer, but really he was just my husband. You know, he wasn't officer Catherine to me. He was my husband. He was Mike. So I wish I would have set boundaries and taken care of myself sooner and also let myself not be okay sooner. Yeah. I was, I, I tried to be this poised widow and tried to hold myself together all of the time. But then when I was home alone, I was, I had lost it, you know, like, but I I guess I should say, I did let myself lose it, but not tell anyone I did it. You know, I Mm -hmm. didn't let anyone know I was physically dying on the inside, you know? And so I wish I would have gotten help and taken care of myself sooner. And Mm -hmm. because as soon as I started taking care of me, I became a better mom. And that's when my boys started healing. They were so Mm -hmm. broken. I had one that was so much anger, one that was so much just sadness. And I, I couldn't really help them because I was so just out of it myself.
0: Yeah. You're going through all those emotions too.
2: Exactly. So I just, I wish I would have would have taken care of me a lot sooner.
1: Good advice. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good advice. So April, we just have one last question for you and that mm-hmm. is what would you tell your 22 year
2: old self? Oh goodness. Well, I would have been at that time, Newly married, new school teacher, husband out of police academy, just such a young, young and in love, you know, ready to have our first baby too. And we talk so much about empathy. I absolutely would have told myself to be more kind and empathetic to people because you never know what someone's going through. Someone can carry themselves so well and you think that everything's perfect and fine and really they're not. Or if you see someone that's struggling, like we were just talking about, not to be judgmental, but to pray for them and to be more kind. And I also would have told myself to love Mike intentionally. I think that at that time I took for granted our just easy marriage and love and this just little wife that we made for each other. And I didn't, I didn't intentionally love him. And, and, And it's so, um, cliche to say, not sweat the small stuff, but really don't sweat the small stuff. And, and another cliche, don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. Really do not go to bed angry with your spouse because I am proof that tomorrow is not promised. And so I, I would tell myself all of that because now I feel like I've learned so much that I do intentionally love my husband on earth and I don't sweat the small stuff. And I'm really able to, to cherish every single moment. And I wish I would have lived in the moments more and not lived in our plans or my to-do list or everything that I wanted to get done or do or the next vacation or the next, we always went camping. So the next camping trip or whatever, um, I wish I would have just enjoyed the here and now more because it goes by too quick and it can all be gone.
1: Yeah. yeah. Wow, that's wow. a lot. that is beautiful. Because I don't know why I'm getting oh. feedback. Sorry, guys. Feedback. Feedback today. Okay. Um, I think that's so important because I feel like when you've gone through loss or grief, you definitely look mm-hmm. at life a little bit differently. Like it's just you not sure promise to you, mm-hmm. and you think. Gosh, is this really important? And so I think that is wonderful advice, especially at 22, because most people at 22 haven't endured the really hard stuff, you know, Mm -hmm. just starting your life. And so that is wonderful advice. Thank you so much, April. Of course. For guest with us today. Um, Any parting words, Phyllis?
0: No, I'm just so, I'm so proud of you. And I'm so-
1: Thank you. Her
0: book sold out like three times at Barnes and Noble.
1: (laughs) I was like, man, I never did that. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, what you're doing for other officers' wives as oh well God. is just amazing. Can you tell us where they can find you, what
2: your social media mm-hmm. handles are? Yeah, absolutely. So on Instagram, you can find me at Beauty for Our Ashes blog. Facebook, I have a page that's Beauty for Our Ashes. And um, beautyforourashes.com is my website. You can find my book on Amazon and Barnes & Noble and the ebook platforms. So I'd love to connect with anyone. Um, well, thank you so much for being on Thank today. you guys. And
1: 24 Karat Tribe, thank you so much for listening today. We love you. Don't forget to, to subscribe, share. And until next time, sparkle on. Bye, Bye. peeps. Bye.